The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief over at ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we are midway through December. We're entering week 15. Have you decided what chief's thing you want for Christmas yet? Uh, you know, I always let other people decide what to give me the best Chiefs thing for Christmas, and they always do really well. I always get some cool Chiefs stuff. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but it was your birthday a few weeks ago, right? And you were able to get this fake Super Bowl ring. It, it looked like it would, you you what had some bling fake? to you. Fake? What? It's really you. What are you talking about? Like pro wrestling. It's still really you. <laughs> I understand. All it right. was fun to get that. Well, here we go. It's Saints week. We had looked forward to this game for a long time, and we probably won't get the game exactly we were looking for. We will talk about that on this show. We got some news for you, as usual, our marinated takeaways from Kansas City and Miami. Coach Reed spoke to the media via Zoom conference call on Monday. We'll go through the important things you need to know from that media availability. And then we'll dive into our questions heading into the Chiefs and Saints this Sunday, 325 p.m. Arrowhead time, of course, finishing up with the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. A lot to get to, John. So let's dive into the news. The big news this week is that your Chiefs are once again the AFC West champions, five straight seasons. Very, very hard to do. So congratulations to Andy Reid and the Chiefs. But also around in the AFC, you had the Pittsburgh Steelers finally losing their second game, really their second game in a week out of nowhere, undefeated Mm. all year. They lose to the Washington football team. They lose to the Bills on Sunday night football. So now the Chiefs are in the number one seed in the AFC with three games to go. John, you did a great article regarding the playoff picture on our site today. What does it all mean? Well, uh, ever since we started doing these right after the bye week, we've done one every week. And right from the beginning, it was like, what do the Chiefs have to do to get the bye? You know, and and we've been going through all these scenarios and and they all depended upon the Steelers losing a critical game or two, uh, either to the Ravens or the Bills, their AFC games that uh, remained in the season. Well, they beat the Ravens, but then the Bills tripped them up. And by then, 
the Steelers had already lost to the Washington football team and Alex Smith. So the Chiefs are sitting pretty. They control their own destiny. All Love they have it. to do to uh, to get that first round by away from the Steelers uh, is keep doing what they're doing, winning football games. Win three in a row, they're in. If they win two of the next three games, as long as one of them is the Week 17 game against the Chargers, um, they can still get in there and take the bye away from the Steelers as long as the Steelers lose a game. Um, and then finally, they could even wrap it up this weekend. Um, if the Chiefs uh, win against New Orleans on Sunday, okay. if the Steelers lose to the Cincinnati Bengals, and finally the Buffalo Bills lose on Sunday, the Chiefs will have this thing wrapped up. Now, I wouldn't call that a plausible scenario. Right. <laughs> it's probably going to be another week or two before the Chiefs can really clinch this thing, but the possibilities are really good now. What's interesting about that scenario is I don't necessarily, like when you present that to me, I don't necessarily think the Steelers losing to the Bengals feels impossible, but I just feel like the Bills have finally found themselves who we thought they were at the very beginning of this year. They went through a little bit of a lull and now they've sort of returned to that. I don't see the Bills losing anytime soon. It does feel, I think at least right now, that the Chiefs and Bills seem to be two trains heading to each other a little bit. And so I don't necessarily think the Chiefs wrap it up this weekend. John, you did a great article regarding Andy Reid and his bye week this year. I know that it's always talked about as far as his regular season record, but you had this year that he was 24 and five. We included the postseason on it this mm -hmm. year. Improve yeah. that to 25 and five. So Andy Reid, postseason, regular season, extra time off, whatever you want to call it, 20 games over 500 in the NFL off of a bye week. So not only is the bye a free win for the only AFC team, you get time off, Andy Reid gets to prepare. You almost, with this win and that Steelers loss, right now have locked up, in my mind, as close to two playoff wins as you could possibly get, which is a lot to say. And so that's a huge advantage for Kansas City to get within the final four. And then once you're in the final four, who knows what happens each and every year. So the Chiefs are in good position, John. Yes, they are. And they're even in a position that they might be able to rest a little bit in week 17. Um, right. A couple of things have to happen for that to take place. But, uh, you know, there's still a chance the Chiefs could put some guys on the sidelines during Week 17 against the Chargers, get them some rest, and get sort of a mini-buy for them. You know, uh, Andy's always been kind of wishy-washy about whether or not he wants to rest his starters in a meaningless game. Uh, he's done it sometimes, sometimes he hasn't done it, and... He usually regrets the decision, whatever it is. So <laughs> if if uh, if we end up seeing a situation like that, I think we're going to see something like a preseason game where the starters come out and play a quarter yeah. or two, and then they put in a bunch of backups. So you get a little bit of both worlds. I don't think the Chiefs will play in a meaningless game, but if there's anything on the line, you'll see the starters until the game right. is, is wrapped up. There was one year where Kareem Hunt, I think he needed a couple yards to snatch the rushing title yeah, in a meaningless game. Yeah. And same thing with Mitch Schwartz, who at the time had a streak. So I tend to think that Andy Reid can be talked into you playing 
for things that really <laughs> matter to the players. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, but Travis Kelsey comes to mind here a little bit. And so sure. we'll see how it plays out. I mean, we are probably getting ahead of ourselves. I know there's some Chiefs fans in the car saying, stop talking like that. We need to beat the Saints. All right. All right. We'll stop talking about it. <laughs> I want to get into another thing that came through on Tuesday. And this just goes to show sometimes how dead Tuesdays are. I don't even think we're going to cover this in Arrowhead Pride. I'm making the executive decision live here on the editor's show. But the Chiefs are opening up a Chiefs fit facility in the area. I saw it come through on the Chiefs Twitter account today. It's going to be, it looks to be an Overland Park Kansas at the Regency Park Shopping Center, a huge health and wellness facility, Chiefs branded. It seems like a new business venture in Kansas City. What do you think, John? Will you be getting a membership? No. No interest in it. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you don't don't find me inside of gyms. (laughs) I wonder if it's in part to give the staff and business members of the Chiefs a place to work out for free. I also wonder if it could play a part in in maybe some rehabs to get away from the facility. We're talking in a post-coronavirus universe. I I think the vaccines came through. Uh, Who knows? Uh, Interesting. I'll be watching that from afar, but I I don't know if we're going to necessarily report that on AP. Look for Forbes.com article on it. It seems like some new business uh, for the Chiefs. All right. So before we get into our marinated takeaways from Chiefs and Dolphins, just want to tell you guys what's going on the website right now. If you want to watch Andy Reid, which we'll get into segment two, we have the full presser up on our website. We also have Craig Stout's defensive film review. If you're wondering why Willie Gay didn't play as much in that game against the Dolphins, he covers that. John has his playoff picture. If you're looking for the exact percentages and more, Clyde edwards Lair did an interview on this podcast channel with Kent. Yeah. Kent's breaks cool. down on our website. We took a closer look at Mike Dana, who's having a fantastic rookie season as a fifth rounder. And of course, we have power rankings covered across the nation. And we have our own power rankings with the ever witty Tom Child. So check out arrowheadpride.com today. Let's get into our marinated takeaways from Kansas City and Miami. The Chiefs coming away with this victory, 33 to 27. I begged Kansas City. I said, please, can this Chiefs team win a game where we're not sweating at least a little bit at the end? And the answer, of course, was no. And so we got a game in Miami that was rather interesting. And and what I will say, and I said this on the national podcast channel, I think they dropped that clip in Miami. Way more impressed with Miami than I thought I was going to be. They were down a ton of skill position players. John, you actually said this. I'll give you credit going into the game. I think this is a playoff team. I think this is a team the Chiefs might see again in one of these rounds here. I don't want to see the Dolphins again, but I think it's a team that you might see. They might have a running back by then. I think they have the best cornerback in the league and Xavier Howard. That play was ridiculous. And so good on the Chiefs to, to last with Miami. Good on Miami to A, jump out to a lead, which is very hard to do against Kansas City, rattle Patrick Mahomes, and then fight their way back. I know it's happened each of the past few weeks against the Chiefs, but it's just not an easy thing to do. So I don't think we should lose sight of that for the Dolphins. But let's get into my first marinated takeaway. Those were just the appetizers. First main course. I'm left wondering how rare it is for a quarterback, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes here, to have a start like he did where He throws two interceptions on the first three drives. He takes a 30-yard sack and then goes on to have a great game. 
two touchdowns. The one pick I kind of alluded to, which is ridiculous. I don't blame Mahomes for the Xavier and Howard mm-hmm. pick. The first two yeah. were bad decisions. The Howard, uh, how do you even stop that interception? So, but he goes on to have 393 yards, two touchdowns on the day in a winning effort. And that is, I think, a point to remember with Mahomes. And Andy Reid said something after the game. It was either on the conference call or right after the game on that conference call. But he said he told Mahomes to keep firing. And that rang a bell for me. And I'm like, where did I hear this before? It was at the Super Bowl when Mahomes had thrown an interception in that game and NFL Films had picked up. And this is a thing that he keeps whispering. We call him the quarterback whisperer. This is what he tells Mahomes when he throws interceptions. Just keep playing your game. Keep playing your game. And that goes into Mahomes' short memory. And that's the exact thing the other team's not going to want is Mahomes having a short memory. I don't know how you beat this guy. Because if he has a bad quarter, it's not like he necessarily has a bad game. Like you see so often in the NFL. We watch the Red Zone channel when the Chiefs aren't on. Quarterback starts bad in the first quarter. They usually play bad the rest of the day. Really, really tough to, to turn it around. So I thought that was a credit to Mahomes. Another credit of the million credits we give to Mahomes. Well, it's really one of the most amazing things that his that he does. His ability to just literally leave the other play that just happened behind him. I mean, players talk about this all the time, about making one play at a time and only focusing on the play in front of you instead of the play behind you. And Mahomes really seems to be able to do it. Uh, I, you know, you, you always get the impression the players are really trying hard to leave those bad plays behind them during a game. But Mahomes actually does it. It's this amazing. Is, this isn't the same position, but we're seeing it now as we're watching some of these other AFC teams where Deontay Johnson can't leave this last play behind where he's dropping mm-hmm. multiple balls. You saw it with Hollywood Brown on that classic Monday night football game last night where he's yeah. having three drops. And again, not, that's not the quarterback position, but it's a lot tougher to do than, than just saying it and, and being able to do yeah. a lot easier said than done. So kudos to Mahomes. All right, John, let's go to your first marinated takeaway from Chiefs Dolphins. Well, you mentioned the amazing interception uh, that Xavier Howard made. Uh, you know, the Chiefs were inches away from covering the spread in this game. And if you're a gambling person, the spread is a big deal to you. And I, I, I just recently had an epiphany about this. It's like, why do people get so upset if the Chiefs don't win by a couple <laughs> touchdowns? Oh, it's because they had money on the game. Right. I just like, as somebody who doesn't gamble, uh, you know, I don't really have that perspective clearly in mind all the time. But uh, they really were very close to winning this game pretty big. And that interception is what made the difference. And and I think you're right. And I think uh, I think Kent Swanson's right in an article that'll be on Arrowhead Pride shortly that I'm editing right now. Um, that it's not a, a bad throw from Mahomes. It's just Howard made an amazing play. And uh, what are you going to do? You just have to put up with that sometimes when you've got a great corner cornerback out there. Right. And the Chiefs don't really invest in cornerbacks like that. Mm-hmm. I think the closest guy that they've had to that in recent memory was Marcus Peters. And Legereus Need is great. And he may develop into somebody that is close. But, man, it would be nice for this team one of these days to have a shutdown corner like an Xavier Howard or like a Jalen Ramsey. They're getting by fine without it. And a lot of it has to do is when the pressure is successful on the opposing quarterback, you don't necessarily need a shutdown corner, but what a luxury that is to have for a guy to be able to, at times, shut down Tyree Kill and win one-on-one battles. It seems like that's an unheard of thing right now in the NFL. All right, third marinated takeaway from this game. 
okay, here's here's a it's a deeper takeaway, but I said Andy Reid stays young at 62 by constantly making adjustments of himself. And it's it's not easy. I'm not 62, John. You're obviously very closer in age to Andy Reid, but it's it's tough in a sense to stay young and stay relevant. Just had a, a situation where I had our our assistant, our fellow uh, who's doing social media for us, make something for, for Travis Kelsey and Mr. Rogers. And she didn't even know who Mr. Rogers was, did not grow up with Mr. Rogers. So I'm starting to feel that no. a little bit. It is. <laughs> so when you get older, it's it's tough to stay young. And so I don't think we should lose that with Andy Reid, who finds a way to do so. And I'm talking about things with the coin flip, for example. For years, Andy Reid received the football. I mean, for years in Philadelphia, and then somewhere along the line, the numbers came through and says, no, you have a 53% chance, 54, something like that, 53, 54% chance of winning the game if you defer. So Andy Reid said, all right, I'm going to defer. I mean, statistics are there. So that's why when the Chiefs win the toss now, every time he defers. I think you're seeing the same thing dating back to even last year on fourth and one, fourth and two, mm -hmm. where he would be more conservative in the past. I mean, you saw Andy Reid earlier in his career, very, very conservative. And this is a guy who loves his routine. So, so for him, I think to look inside and say, let me see if I should change something here, I think speaks volumes. And it mattered in this game and it's mattered the past couple of weeks where in fourth down, they're saying, no, we're not going to put the defense back on the field. We have an outstanding opportunity right here to win the football game. Fourth and one, Patrick Mahomes rolls to his right. Again, they did a nice job with Tyree Kill, but Hill's open, of course, because he's the fastest man in the damn universe. And the game, done. And I think another layer of that has been some of the fun plays he's allowed the players to come up with this year. And again, fi final part of this is just, it's tough to stay young when you've been in it for so long without taking a break. This is his 21st year in a row as a head coach. Again, 62 years old. Kudos to him for being able to do that. And it's a part of the reason that the Chiefs have won these close football games the past few weeks. Well, speaking as the only actual old guy in this conversation, <laughs> I'd like to say that uh, you're exactly right. Uh, this is extraordinarily hard to do when you get to a certain age. You've been doing something for a long time. Uh, you have experience in it. You've got some... Uh, some built-up experience that allows you to make really good decisions about it while you're in it. Andy Reid checks all of those boxes, and yet he is still challenging the assumptions that he's made for his entire career. And I can tell you that's a very difficult thing to do. I'd like to say that I do that, but I don't always. Right. Sometimes I'm very resistant to change. Um, you know, sometimes, I mean, I've got stuff that I've been doing the same way for a long time and you couldn't get me off of that if you, you know, threatened me with torture. But uh, there's other things where I go, oh, this is a new way of looking at this. I should do it this way. And, and, I, and, I, and I do it. So it's not easy, though, in any circumstance. And I've got a lot of respect for Andy Reid in that he's willing to look at things like the coin flip and the fourth and one because a lot of older coaches just won't do that. I, I, I also think, though, that Andy Reid will always want to keep some of his gut in there because that's the way I would feel about it, too, is that there's going to be some times when you have to go with the feel of it and the flow of the game that's based on your experience. And, you know, he's going to pay attention to the stats. He's shown us that. There have been occasional times, I think, where 
it is fourth and short. And Mahomes, you could see, it's killing him yeah. inside to walk yeah. off the field. And he's still <laughs> kicking the field goal. And I, I don't want to say it's 100% of the time now. And you see a lot of the analytical people on, on Twitter losing their mind and sending tweets out and so on. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I do agree with you. I think there is a part of his gut that's still in the game. Right. And will always be there. I think that's just part of who he is. And who he is is great. So that's okay with me. I just appreciate that unlike some other older coaches the Chiefs have had over the decades, uh, he is much more willing to accept a different idea about things. And I think that's terrific. All right, John, you have our point number four out of this game. Yeah, I just want to say that I, I think it's important for us to recognize the defense uh, did a superb job in Miami. Uh, I talked about this in my post-game piece. Um if you're down three turnovers in a game, I uh, have a minus three turnover margin, your opportunity to win the game is very low. Um, you know, I looked it up on Sunday night. It's like 8% of the teams that are uh, minus three in turnover margin in a given game win those games. That's a that's that's like a the the worst record in the league. Yeah. That's like being, you know, one in fifteen, you're gonna get the first round draft pick the first overall draft Jets, pick Jets a like that. yeah right yeah and uh and for the chiefs to pull that game out uh is a credit to their defense because the only way you can beat back that kind of a problem is to keep those turnovers from resulting in points now granted the Dolphins shot themselves in the foot on one of those with the missed field goal it could have been 13 points but it wasn't 21 points that's the key thing here is that they didn't score 21 points off those three uh, turnovers that they had over the Chiefs. And uh, you have to credit the defense for that. They're, yeah, sure, they give up some yards and some plays. They don't always do it pretty. They right. absolutely don't. But they do it when it counts. And that's why the Chiefs are 12-1. and one. And you need to also mention in this game, it was a complete defensive effort. If you, you just look at the stat yes. sheet and oh, the yeah. stat sheet doesn't yeah. always tell the whole story, but you have passes defense from Legarius Sneed, three from Bashad Breland, one bath down from Chris Jones, two passes defense from Tyron Matthew, one from Fenton, one from Ward. You talk about quarterback hits, Jones, Dana, Neiman, Clark, Wharton, Three from Okafor, sacks from Jones and Dana and Clark and Wharton. And I know a lot of people are, are zoning in on the fact that Gay didn't play as much as we thought he would. And a lot of that actually ended up having to do with the packages and so on that the Chiefs were running out. They ended up putting Neiman as a replacement for Wilson. We thought it was going to be Gay because the Chiefs had led us to believe that it might be. He was worked in, as Craig Stout said, later on in the game in, in nickel and dime. But right now, I, I think it's a experience thing and I think it's a communication thing. And one thing that Craig Stout noted in his review, and you can read it right now on arrowheadpride.com, is he noticed that Hitchens was telling Gay what to do a lot while he was on the field. And so I think that that is a key to this too. I, I just don't know if he's ready for the amount of snaps uh, that everybody wants him to get. Now, I, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you and say when he's on the field, you're not saying to yourself, why is this guy not playing every right, down? Right. But I just don't think the Chiefs are being egregious and are saying, oh, you know, we're not playing this guy. There's a no. reason behind it, right? Like, right. I, I think mm -hmm. why I, there's a grand 
I think loss of that amongst the fan base right now. And maybe they're protecting him a little bit. He's still a rookie. He's still a rookie right now. And yeah, that whole incident in college where he didn't play a lot of football toward the end of his collegiate career. So what I'd, I'd say is I agree. Got to find a way to get him on the field, but maybe he just isn't ready. And this is certainly something that Steve Spagnuolo will be asked about on Thursday. So I encourage you to stay with the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We'll get that on from the podium. We usually post that, I believe, on Saturday. So we'll have stuff on the website as well. All right. Last marinated takeaway from Kansas City and Miami. And it's a theme, John, you and I actually really agree upon is this yeah. offensive line uh, being a problem for the Chiefs, both in the run game and protecting Patrick Mahomes and another blow. The Chiefs losing their second right tackle because remember, Mitch Schwartz is on IR. We don't know if he's going to come back. Mike Remmers goes down with a back issue. And they just threw Yasir Durant into the fire, another undrafted rookie. And I think he did okay. It looked like there was some struggle there. This is someone who probably didn't receive a ton of the first team reps, meaning none, leading into the game <laughs> uh, and had to figure out what to do there. Uh, we have some quotes from Andy Reid in the next segment, but you have Wisniewski waiting in the wings. There's Rankin. Uh, we saw Kilgore get some time at center earlier in the season if you want to replace Ryder. Seems like, I think, and I've said this before on this podcast, I believe, Eric Fisher and Allegretti are probably going to be your guys. I just wonder if the rest of the line gets some changes here. You're nearing the playoffs, and I don't think they're going to want to do it for the first time in the playoffs. I've said that before as well. So we'll see what happens with the line here. Well, I've been worried about this for a while, as you know, uh, and I've written about it several times in the last few weeks, and uh, it seems like the Chiefs need to do something. But the, the wild card in this is how much of a premium they put on continuity right. on the offensive line. And I think things have to be in really bad shape uh, before uh, Andy Reid and Andy Heck are going to say, yeah, we need to make some changes here because they believe so strongly in how important for there to be continuity on the offensive line. I don't know if that's right or not, but I do think it's something the Chiefs believe in. And for that reason, if they're going to do something, as you say, they need to do it right now so they can get these guys used to each other before it's the postseason. Uh, that's, it just seems like if they're going to do anything, they need to do it now. We'll have more on that after the break. Again, Andy Reid had some comments on Yasir Durant. And so we'll continue talking a little bit about the O-line stemming from that. Also some comments on Patrick Mahomes and when will the Chiefs start to play their best football? That's next on the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, and Andy Reid spoke to the media on Monday via Zoom conference call, as he does each and every week. And we got some gems from Andy Reid. We talked about the struggles Patrick Mahomes had toward the beginning of the Dolphins game. And given he is otherworldly and given he is so talented Andy Reid was asked well what do you do in those situations while he's struggling oh listen I mean we we coach him I mean that's what we do and and so um and he wants that that's that's something that he wants um and, and he, he takes very well <clears throat> but at the same time I want him to keep firing I mean I'm there's no discouragement that takes place I mean that's not how how we roll. If there's something we give him to, to help him, we'll, we'll do that because we, we understand how he's wired and, and, uh, and how receptive he is to it. So, um, and a lot of times he'll come up and go, what'd you see? You know, <laughs> what do I need to do there? So 
uh, and, and and it's not always. Listen, it might be that <clears throat> that Clyde could have moved over a little bit in the space where the quarterback could see him. I mean, there are all kinds of things that you you work on. It's not always just uh, the the one person, but um, these guys. Uh, it's it, and this is what's a little bit unique about this team. I, I would tell you is these guys want you to coach them. I mean, they want they want to do the right thing. That and and they get they get upset when they don't. And, you know, so Clyde and all of a sudden you see Clyde and Pat together and they're talking through it or, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is. Kelsey, first guy off the field, ah, I should have done this on the screen. You know, I mean, those are, those are the end of Pat goes, nah, I should, I, I should anticipate him bouncing up like that, you know? So it's, it's pretty selfless that way. And they're not one to point fingers at each other, which I mean, I think is, that's really a pretty good thing to have. I know this is the head coach talking, but Reed's quote made me think about sometimes when we hear analysts or whatever saying, maybe the Chiefs are bored with the regular season. I mean, it's like, no, they're on the sidelines figuring out what went wrong on the previous play where Andy Reed doesn't even have to grab them. It's just Kelsey and Mahomes and Clyde figuring it out themselves. There's a boredness right now to this Chiefs team. They're, they're trying to figure it out where they can have a flawless game. And I, I think fans should know that. You know, I keep thinking back to uh, training camp two years ago uh, when Mahomes was a rookie and we were watching him do all these things on the practice field. And um, I mean, just remembering actually going to a training camp is pretty cool, actually, <laughs> given the current <laughs> circ- circ- circumstances. But I remember saying at that time, you know, it's going to be frustrating for people to watch Andy Reid coach all of Mahomes' instincts out of him. It's going to frustrate the fans to see this young man uh, as a as a young player, have all these instincts that that work so well, and then have him just get turned into another pocket passer. But that's not what's happened. Right. Instead, Andy Reid, just like we were saying a minute ago, um, is recognizing a moment where he needs to challenge his normal routine, the normal way things are done. He recognizes that in Mahomes, he has an unbelievable. Uh, talent that is in some kind of uncharted territory. And the best thing for him to do is to just keep encouraging him. You know, don't say, oh, on that play, you shouldn't have thrown it. You should have thrown it away. Instead, he just says, keep firing, keep firing, keep firing. Because that's a, a phrase that Reed uses all the time when he talks about how he talks with Mahomes. So I think it's an indication not only of Mahomes' talent, but how that has affected the way the Chiefs have coached him. Let's stay with the quarterback. Reed was also asked what surprises him about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you see it in practice, you see it in games. Just, yeah, there are things, but I I try not to expect those things. I think you get into trouble uh, when you do that. Um, You just, uh, there are just so many things. I mean, my mind, when you ask that question, my mind goes into, uh, the detail at practice, how much study time he spends away from this building here at home, making sure that he's got all the wording down of every play. And it, I mean, it takes time. It, it's a, it's a great challenge that way. Not only that, but to know where everybody is on a split second. Um, and then uh, how, <clears throat> how he practices out here with his guys, how he manages the guys around him and uh, keeps everybody involved uh, where you think you have a chance on about every play to get a get a grab and if he's throwing it. So 
uh, how he makes alignment feel a part of it. It transfers over to the defense, the same thing. Gives the defense an opportunity to feel like you have a chance in any game, right? So we can do these things here uh, on defense and we, we stand a chance and special teams likewise. So, I mean, there's a, that's a big, it's a bigger question than maybe what, you know, what you thought, but it's, a, it's a, he does a lot of things for you. One thing that stood out to me here, and this came from an Instagram live thing with Kirk Herbstreet, I think it was last offseason, is that Mahomes will write down each and every play call leading into that game's game plan so that he doesn't have to flinch when the play is called. It's that type of preparation. I mean, this is now someone who's won a Super Bowl and all these MVPs and people almost going back to your last point, John, will just sometimes I think assume this is just natural, but there's a lot of work that goes into him playing as flawlessly and really just out of that muscle memory than he probably lets on. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, that we I, I think it's easy for us to discount the work that he puts into it and think that he just does all this by falling off a log. He obviously doesn't. I mean, there's lots of evidence of that. Reed talks about it. The enemy talks about it. We see pictures of Patrick Mahomes uh, that that his fiance has taken of him sitting at home watching film, right. you know, sitting on the floor doing his homework. Um, we shouldn't discount the fact that Mahomes puts in a lot of work, but it's his instincts when things go wrong that are so spectacular. And that's the thing I think the Chiefs are taking care not to coach out of him. Yeah, agree on that point. Well, enough Mahomes talk. Well, never enough, but enough for right now. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> we talked about some of the offensive line issues Durant entering this game at right tackle for the Chiefs. John, you had the snap counts. It was about 24 snaps that he ended up getting in place of Mike Remmers. And Reed was asked about Durant. And you'll hear I end up asking a follow-up on this question. Just Curious, will Durant be the guy again this week? Yeah, well, we'll see. I haven't met with Andy Heck on all that, but um, <clears throat> I would tell you that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I would tell you that, um, you know, he did some good things. I mean, there's some, he's young, you know, so there's some things he could do that he needs to work on, but he's a great kid. And, uh, you know, again, his heart's in the right place. I mean, he wants to do well. So just a matter of experience, I think, there. How difficult is it to, especially as a rookie, come off the bench in, in a game and perform well at, at the right tackle position, and then just how much growth do you sometimes see when they are able to get maybe a week of work and, and then play the game on Sunday? Yeah, well, he's a smart kid, and, and he, he um, I'm not telling you he's not going to be in there. That's not what I'm telling you. He, he, the one unique thing about him is he plays guard and, and tackle for you, and and can do both at a, at a, at a good level. So um, I think he's got great upside. I mean, the one thing we, none of us know is he, he hasn't had to do it for an extended period of time. So uh, a, a week is a week more than what he would have had. And that's, that's a, that's a plus. And one game, you know, is one more game ahead than what he's had before. And then we all, we all watch and see, see how things go with him. You know. So Remmers has a back issue. That injury report will be one to watch on Wednesday afternoon. Is he limited? Is he practicing? Whatever. We've talked about how weird the back can be with Mitch Schwartz. This extends to Remmers, depending on how severe the injury is. I thought it was pretty interesting that I asked about Durant and Andy Reid offered up that he plays some guard too. Sometimes mm -hmm. this is a sign that maybe 
they're going to push him inside. And a guy like Rankin, who's sort of been waiting in the wings, uh, ready for the Chiefs as a tackle out of Mississippi State to maybe fill in at right tackle. I wonder, and I'm just wondering out loud here, I'm not trying to be this expert who knows more than the team. I wonder if the best possible line, as our nerd guys have also suggested, is Fisher, Allegretti, Kilgore, maybe Durant, or Wiley, depending on your preference, and just trying Rankin out there while there's still time in the regular season to see if he can do it for the playoffs. I wonder if Durant's right guard. I, there's something about that answer that made me feel like Durant might get a guard opportunity against the Saints. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting that uh, Rankin was inactive on... Just Sunday. not available. Yeah, it, yeah I saw that, that as well. I, I, that really surprised me. And I thought, okay, well, that says something about how they feel about Rankin versus, say, Wisniewski, whom they elevated from the practice squad for the game. Right. Uh, and of course, he goes right back to the practice squad under those circumstances. And yet, Wisniewski only played on special teams on Sunday. The Very week weird. When he'd been elevated, he didn't play at all. And um, so you got to wonder, uh, you know, what, what their plan is. I think for a lot of fans, they think Wisniewski's going to be right back in there because he was a starter last season, played well in the postseason. With, but yeah. right now they seem to have some kind of issue about him. So Wiz had, with the Steelers, a peck issue. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not a strength expert, believe it or not. It's not sure. like I'm pumping iron left and right. But I imagine it's tough to work out when you have a pec issue, especially up here in your chest and benching and whatnot, stuff I don't do. I'm just curious as to whether they're building up his strength a little bit by mixing him in four or five snaps there and hopefully by the end of the season, getting him back to where he feels like he's in a place where he can perform as well as he did last season. Again, we're always left with a lot of questions and it's compounded this year when there's no locker room access. Uh, there's a lot less of these sub side stories where you could walk up to Stefan Wisniewski and say, Hey, what's up, man? How you feeling? What's mm -hmm. going on? You know, or and, see him on the practice field and get a sense of that, which we yes, don't get any of that. Nothing yeah. there. Um, yeah. And so difficult to really know exactly what's going on there. I don't think the chiefs would have brought Wisniewski and another name we haven't heard in a while, uh, Deandre Baker. We ended up putting an article up there. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think the Chiefs would have brought these guys in the mix if they weren't planning on activating them. I, mm. I just don't. And so when that happens, uh, remains to be seen. Last point from Reed, and he was asked early on in the conference call, when does he feel like the Chiefs might click on all cylinders? Well, listen, I, you know, I think that team yesterday was a good team. I think Brian Flores has done a heck of a job down there, and they've got good players. So, um, you know, we, we've got to we've got to take care of a few of the little things there. Um, but um, I, um, I appreciate the the effort. Um, guys are the, the mistakes that we're making are guys trying to make that extra play, you know, just that extra little inch to be even better than what you are. And so um, sometimes you can go a little too far with it. And uh, but but that's that's easier to back down than when you don't have the juice, you know, if you're trying to muster up juice, uh, that's not, that's not always a good thing. So uh, this is uh, probably just the opposite of that. And so I, I we're close. We're, we've got a few games here to or a couple games here, at least to 
to get ourselves uh, right uh, where we're really hitting that thing uh, full speed. It's amazing that we're in a position where the coach is acknowledging there's some things to fix and saying they're close and they're 12 and one. We put up a stat today in the past 400 days, as of today, December 15th, the chiefs are 21 and one, including the playoffs during that stretch. They're only lost to the Raiders week five. And yet that's where we're at as a fan base, as people who cover the team in Kansas city, where Everybody clearly knows this is Super Bowl or bust, and there are things to fix if you're going to do that ahead of the playoffs. Yeah, it's amazing to me how how many Chiefs fans there are who think the team is doing really poorly on defense, or or uh, you know have players that simply don't belong on the team, uh, particularly on defense. And yeah, that might be true, but this is going to be a fact of the post-Super Bowl Chiefs, the post-2019 Chiefs. And most teams have a great deal of difficulty navigating this period. You don't win a Super Bowl for decades. You spend money. You acquire these players. You put everything together to make that run. And then you've got to figure out a way to keep doing it. Right. And that's part of that equation has to be getting production from players who are maybe not the best players because you won't be able to afford to get all the best players all the time. So this is in a way what we're going to have to get used to as Chiefs fans over the next five or 10 seasons, especially with a quarterback occupying as much as the salary cap as Patrick Mahomes is going to occupy is how the team manages to continue to be relevant. Right. With a lot of players who are not top tier talents. And I think that's what we're seeing on the Chiefs defense right now. Well, and part of it too is just roster building. You're always going to be picking toward the end of the first round. Sure. In a year where the Chiefs, let's say they don't win the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, that'll happen at some point. Let's sure. acknowledge that, right? And so maybe they won't be picking 32, but they might be picking 25. And so you have to look for that type of talent everywhere, which is why you see the Chiefs make a trade for a guy like Martinez Rankin, sending Carlos Hyde for a guy they feel like has upside. That's why you see them acquiring somebody like a Le'Veon Bell when he becomes available. Terrell Suggs, maybe Mike Pinnell can be plugged in off the street last year. DeAndre Baker. Yes, mm -hmm. there was some really interesting stuff that happened off the field. Seems to be acquitted of everything. Seems to be trying to get his, his life on the right path by being around the right people. But he's a first-round talent. And once the Chiefs figured out, okay, we feel good enough about this player's makeup. Let's bring him in and see if we can maximize that. There's got to be creative ways to get that talent on the Chiefs because you're right, John. They are paying a premium, which is why I'm a Cole Hardman who's on his rookie contract becomes so important. And mm -hmm. I think that's sometimes fair for fans to be like, is this guy going to be able to replace Sammy Watkins? If the answer is no, the Chiefs have to address that early on in the draft because that's just a, such a huge part of the offense. So it all goes into it. And that's part of being the Super Bowl champions, wanting a dynasty and wanting it to do it like the Patriots and not the Packers and not the Saints, who are one-hit wonders. The Chiefs, of course, will see the Saints on Sunday. When we come back, we'll talk about the questions heading into that game. This is the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.
Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. In just a few minutes, we will have the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. But right now, let's talk about this Week 15 matchup between the Chiefs and the Saints. 3.25 p.m. Sunday, no-night game. I know some people like those primetime games, not us writers and reporters, because we'll be going to bed before 3 a.m., which is always excellent. First question I have heading into this game And John, you had mentioned how the defense played well down in Miami. I tend to agree. Will the Chiefs defense rise to the occasion against Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas? These two are as good as the Chiefs skill position players. Thomas is right there with Hill. You're not going to find a a better running back necessarily than Kamara unless you're playing Derrick Henry or you're playing Dalvin Cook. These are going to be true tests. And I just wonder... If the Chiefs will be able to handle them, I know that everyone has been asking for Gay. That's an athletic body. Maybe you're going to want on the field against a guy like Kamara. Michael Thomas is going to be a test. I wonder if Sneed gets some kind of assignment there. I know he's been the nickelback. I, I wonder about the Chiefs' outside cornerbacks in Breland and Ward against Thomas. There's going to be a test there, and we're going to get to your point in a second, John. A lot matters with who is is throwing to them. But at the same time, I'm eager to see how the Chiefs handle these two weapons. Yeah, that'll be... And you made the point a couple of weeks ago that you've got to be good in all phases of the game to beat the Saints, and I think that's right. And uh, that's going to be an important part of this game is how well the G- the Chiefs can do across the board. We all expect the offense to do well, even against a good defense. Uh, we are less certain about the defense doing well against a good offense. And I think it's reasonable to ask that question, but you know, uh, they've gone 12 and one the way you're doing it now. So <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll find out. I think, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the Saints. So, and, and it'll just be interesting to me to see how the defense does. Cause you also have Sanders and cook and Latavius mm-hmm. Murray it's a pretty good offense. And so yeah. I, I always say that one of the requirements to beating the Chiefs is being able to score with them. And the Saints fit that category. And there's only a handful of teams in the league that do. So that makes the game more interesting to me. Let's get to your first question, John. Yeah. And I'm wondering about uh, whether or not Drew Brees plays in this game. That The last time I looked earlier today, he's still considered questionable for the game. I don't think at he's this playing, early stage. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the injury reports say starting tomorrow. Um, you know, are we going to see Breeze? Or are we going to see Taysom Hill? Does it even matter? <laughs> the Saints are 3-1 and one since Breeze was injured and Hill has been the quarterback. Um, you know, that's the kind of record I would expect the Chiefs to put up if Chad Henney was in there under center instead of Patrick Mahomes, you know, where otherwise the Chiefs might go 4-0 and over a four-game stretch. I'd expect him to go three and one with Henny in there. So Hills made that uh, made that hurdle, suggesting that the Saints have a pretty good team besides Drew Brees. So maybe it doesn't matter too much who the Saints quarterback is this Sunday. I don't think it does. I mean, I'm going to pick the Chiefs in this game once again, and who knows? Maybe that's that's a mistake. But I I think they're just a better football team. I think Mahomes is better than Breeze. I think Mahomes is better than Hill. And I always go back to that when I'm thinking, is this going to be the week that I pick against the Chiefs? Is the quarterback good enough to beat Patrick Mahomes? And most of the time, it's it's no. 
You know, right. I, most times, even against the best quarterbacks, Mahomes is going to win. What makes this day different? And the quarterback has to be good enough, I think, to meet that requirement for me to pick that other team. Not going to happen this Sunday. All right, third question heading into this game. Will Travis Kelsey go for 128 yards or more? And you're probably saying, 128, what is that? Well, that is the record for tight end receiving yards. Remember, Kelsey had the record for about 12, 13 minutes in 2018. (laughs) Until George Kittle, and I can't take credit for this because I saw it from a fan, one of the Arrowhead Pride readers mentioned George Brittle. George Brittle has 1377, and Kelsey has an opportunity to have 128 yards and hit 1378 to set the record. He leads the NFL in receiving yards by 70 right now has a really good chance to finish first in receiving yards. And this would set the record for tight ends ever. And if you're wondering in the last six games, Kelsey's gone for a hundred yards or more five times. So it's not like it's uncommon. This has become a regular thing. That's something that we're probably overlooking as well, just because of how good this team is, just how rare this is for a tight end, let alone any player to have a streak like this or a stretch like this good for Kelsey. And I think if he doesn't get it on Sunday, he will certainly get it in the games to come or game to come. John, as you mentioned, they could rest the starters in that final game and who knows, maybe Kelsey needs that game. Like I was saying, and once he gets it, they'll pull, they'll pull him out on on week 17. Well, you know, I, I, it's interesting to me that uh, when Kelsey set that record a couple of years ago, it was in week 17. And Kittle beat the record 12 or 13 minutes after that in week 17. This is week 15. Right. You think about how uh, how many yards Kelsey could get in the last couple of games of the season, particularly if he ends up getting a lot of time on the field in week 17. Uh, this record is going down. Yeah. I mean, it's not that he's going to win it by 12 yards or something. This thing is going to be thrown off the cliff. And Kelsey's going to hold it for a while. And I'll say this too. It's worth saying now, and it's been going around. I said it on 610 Sports Radio this morning. No tight end has ever finished first in the league in receiving yards. Mm -hmm. Because that's first, even though we're going to be talking about Kelsey in the same breath as Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook, because that will be his competitors here, because he's going to be the first tight end, that usually helps with these award voters. I think we might be looking at the Offensive Player of the Year again. Big if he's got to keep up this wild production for three more games. We'll see if he does. Right, right. All right, your your next question heading into Chiefs and Saints. I think that we as Chiefs fans um, are still thinking in old ways, much like an old head coach. Um, we talk about the Chiefs playing down to the level of their competition when in fact I think what's really going on is that the other teams – knowing they're going to face a Super Bowl champion, are playing up to the level of the Chiefs. I made this point in my game prediction last week, and I've had a couple of people mention it to me that they that they agree with that. So I'm going to throw this out here again now that I feel confident about it. Uh, and I think that's part of what's been going on this season. We, we're not seeing the Chiefs play down to their level of competition. We're seeing other teams play up. So here's the question for this week. Can the Chiefs play up to the Saints? Because this is the team, 
as you've referred to it this season, Pete, as one of the signposts of the season. This is one of the teams we had circled on our calendars when the schedule came out. What are we going to see from the Chiefs in this game against the Saints? So in a sense, they're going to have to play up in a way that they haven't been doing in the last few weeks against these lesser teams, if you want to call them that. Although They're all NFL teams. They're all good in many different ways. But I, this is what's going to be interesting to me with the Chiefs this week. Can they give that little extra to get past this team on the schedule? I think we've been seeing teams give the Chiefs their best shot all year. I mean, as early yeah. as week two with the Chargers. And suddenly Tyrod Taylor has got a punctured lung from his doctor. And Herbert, the rookie, comes on. And the Chiefs go to overtime with the Chargers. And that theme has just stayed with the Chiefs all year with these opposing teams giving their absolute best shot to try to knock off the Super Bowl champions. And so, yeah, I, I, I definitely think the Saints have a lot to prove in this game. I looked at this game, and this is my final question, heading into Chiefs and Saints. I look at this game as the final measuring stick game, as I call it. How will the Chiefs fare in their final measuring stick game? Not to say that the Falcons or Chargers can be overlooked, but there were three games on this calendar I said the Baltimore Ravens, remember, going into the season, week three, the Baltimore Ravens were the Chiefs' number one foe. They looked pretty good on Monday Night Football, even though uh, the Browns almost beat them. 34-20, to 20, they won that game. Week 12 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 27-24. to 24. <laughs> We'll see if the, the Bucs managed to get back in the mix here. But Mahomes passed that test, kept the ball out of Brady's hands in the final moments. And then the New Orleans Saints and week 15 game to see, okay. And I, I do think the Saints would have a, a much better chance if Drew Brees was the quarterback here. I, I had mentioned that, especially with Taysom Hill being exploited last week with the Philadelphia Eagles. You know who is friends with the Philadelphia Eagles head coach? You can talk a bit to him about that game plan. Uh, one Andy Reid. You can pass along Steve Spagnuolo. He can make that. He can make those phone lines connect, John, like the old school operators if he needs to. And so... <laughs> I'm not really all that worried uh, about Taysom Hill. And so that changes the measuring stick game a little bit. But I, I think the Saints are one of the most complete teams in the league, something that's rare, especially this year. While we're taking the Steelers out of the mix, if it's not the Chiefs and Saints, maybe you put the Bills in, in that category. That's probably about it. So this is your true final test, I think, before an AFC title game, if another team is playing well enough to get there, and, and they have to be if they're in the AFC title game, and then eventually uh, the Super Bowl. So exciting. This is an exciting week, and make sure you guys uh, enjoy the game. Get ready for it with ArrowheadPride.com. All right. Best Chiefs thing I heard all week. We had mentioned the 30-yard sack, and I am a fan of Pat McAfee. I don't know, John, if you are, you might not be as big a fan as I am. He's kind of a new school radio guy. He used to punt for the Colts, but I thought this was really funny. He was describing the play in which Patrick Mahomes was sacked for 30 yards by Dolphins uh, player Jerome Baker. Patrick Mahomes, turnaround sprint. I thought it was like the best play of all time. Yeah. I thought there was going to be a new thing that they teach in quarterback camps. All right, what are you going to do? Okay, you're going to take the snap, and what you're going to do, you're going to sprint backwards just as far as you can, and then whenever the defensive end gets tired, you'll run around them, and then you'll just throw it 70, 80 yards, and that'll pick up like 30, 40 yards at a time. And you'll have, you'll have this guy named Tyreek Hill whose nickname is Cheetah because he is the human form of that animal, the fastest mm -hmm. creature. Then you have Travis Kelsey out there. So that'll be your move. You'll just go hut, and then you'll just sprint directly back you would run backwards at first and then you'll turn and sprint and then you'll get around somebody and then you could throw it so far it doesn't fucking matter and it'll it'll work every single time 
I thought that was legitimately the cheat code because Patrick Mahomes had done it so much until yesterday. Got him. Oh. He fucking got him at his own four. It ended up being fourth and forty-one. Thirty-yard sack. Fourth. That's what I'm saying. He literally sprints thirty <laughs> yards. Yeah. I've been talking about this play for a long time because I'm so intrigued by it. Nobody else really commentates on it. They don't, they don't talk about it whenever it's happening. He just runs backwards. He's in better shape than you are. Your defensive end is going to get tired. Trip. Mm-hmm. He's going to go around. And then by that point, Tyreek Hill's been able to run for ten seconds. So there's no way the corner can keep up with a goddamn cheetah. Touchdown, see you later. And then yesterday they got him, and I was like, I guess you can stop it. I didn't whoa, think it was possible. Patrick Mahomes actually quote tweeted the video and said, it always works on Madden. Why does this not work in real life? <laughs> and then I believe Jerome Baker quote tweeted that and said, not this time, Mahomes, laugh face. And they kind of laughed back and forth about it. That fraternity of the NFL, I thought that was a really nice breakdown of that move that's really rare. And you actually know as a Chiefs fan, someone who follows the Chiefs, exactly what he's talking about because Mahomes has done done it so often and Mm -hmm. it's so non-fundamental football. It's just something where he does out-athlete the the opposing team and finally got caught Uh, (laughs) and he lost 30 yards on the play. Uh, Those rare human moments for Patrick Mahomes. Well, and it's basically just because the two edge rushers happened to break free at exactly the same time. I spent some time watching this play uh, yesterday uh, watching it over and over again, trying to figure out, you know, how it was that uh, Mahomes didn't get away this time, because it it looks for a second like he might have an opportunity to split the two of them when mm-hmm. they when they break free. Like Bash Brothers style. Yeah, on the outside that he might have an opportunity to just drop between them, but there was another guy there that probably wouldn't have worked out easier. Now the sack would have been for twenty yards instead of thirty, <laughs> but uh, you know it, it. It's just one of those things. He gets away with it over and over again, and it was just a weird set of circumstances that this time he didn't. I'm uh, frankly surprised he didn't realize how close he was to the goal line. Uh, right. He's usually so so aware of his surroundings and knows where he is on the field. I'm thinking, Pat, that's the goal. That's the goal line over there. Stop, stop. (laughs) You know, John, you talked about a lot of betters. I'm sure there were a lot of betters last night who were watching the Ravens game. The Ravens were minus three, and they end up getting the safety and getting a five-point win and covering, and the Browns pushers were all probably crying. But lo and behold... That's all we have for you today. As usual, keep locked in at arrowheadpride.com. We'll have your news and updates as this Chiefs Saints week goes along. Keep locked in on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We'll have the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory mailbag coming at you next. Of course, the Arrowhead Pride radio replay will be posted sometime Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and have the game preview and so on and so forth from the podiums. Everything you need. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us today on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. <laughs>